Hallelujah. Wow. Praise the Lord. I messed up. I just had my sons praying over me. And you know what's interesting is I knew they were going to pray over me, and they don't normally, but Justin got a word about Judah Smith, and I knew Wendell, his father, and we actually were in the same network for years together. And I remember back, I don't know if you've heard of Judah Smith, he's just a great minister, but his father, his dad, Wendell, was part of the network that I was a part of, our family was a part of for years, and, and uh, I remember before Wendell would get up, get up and minister, Judah and some of his friends would all pray for his dad before he'd go up. And his dad was taken home uh, early in life, but at the same time, uh, Judah's carried on an amazing legacy. So it was just absolutely amazing. So thank you, sons. Plural. Praise God. I'm messed up, I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I was saying, you know, it's kind of hard to get into conference mode when it's in your own house. You know, when I travel, they pick me up and they take me to the hotel and I get to spend time from the time I leave Vancouver Airport. I'm in trying to get into the presence of God the whole trip. So when I land in Russia or Mexico or Colombia or northern Alberta or wherever, um, I, I'm already prepared in my heart. But here it's like we got a million things going on. It's our own conference, and, uh, but I, I'm just so honored. And I, I wanted to bring just a beautiful Baptist three-part message to you tonight. So I'm just kidding. I say that not slandering because I actually am a Baptist boy. I mean, I went through the four years of seminary and had a master's uh, or doctorate, Masters of Divinity, and, uh, you know, just went through the two more years on top of that, and, and I, just want to know, I, want, I just want to be real tonight, because as I was preparing on what to share, I felt like the Lord kept saying, share your story, share your story, and some of you might have heard parts of it, and I, on how I kind of entered in, even into the seer realm, and the prophetic realm, and, and the different things, but when Sharon and I got married in 1988, we knew she's Lutheran background, I'm Baptist, we knew that it wasn't going to probably go back to those churches, and we ended up going to a great charismatic church in Abbotsford, which we honor and love to this day, became part of leadership with them for 17 years, and, uh, and, but it started and launched our whole ministry. But we were down in, we sailed a sailboat down into Mexico with our kids, and, and we started just ministering down there. But, you know, I, I was down there evangelizing because we were sent out as evangelists. But I kept getting these gut feelings throughout my life. And uh, I'm purposely not opening any electronics right now because I actually feel like God's going to bring some words of knowledge. And, and uh, so I kind of stay away from the electronics because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh. Oh, he's reading, you know, uh, whatever. And I'm like, you know, okay, so let's just stay away from them. They're up there and they're all shut off. And my phone's not in my pocket. And, but I, because I, I, I come with an anticipation and an excitement knowing that God knows everything about you. And if I could just lock into the all-knowing Father, I could actually know something about you too, but then I don't really know. And that's what I, I feel like we need to go after. We need to go after something beyond what we already know. If we don't go after something beyond what we already know, then we're trying to stay with what we already know. And I love in Joel 2, 28, also in Acts, it talks about in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So I took that scripture literally 
that if in the last days he will pour out his spirit on all flesh, I'm closer today to the last days than I was yesterday. So that gives me more option to his spirit today than I had yesterday. I take the Bible very literally. Because if we don't grow and realize that we have more opportunity into his spirit, into his presence with us today, then we're going to stay with what we had 10 years ago or an experience 15 years ago, and we'll never move beyond that experience. And then we'll always be looking for revival like it was 20 years ago. But you see, I guarantee you that the revival that is happening in the church is not going to look like any other revival that has ever happened in history of man. So we might as well get real with each other and realize that we actually don't know what we're asking for. Because if we feel that we have an understanding of what we're asking for, then you'll get what your understanding is, but it was probably from 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. I'm just not into getting what was. I'm in into getting what is yet to come. I don't want to hang out with what was. I want to hang out with what is yet to come. That's the hunger that I had to push myself. And so here we are as a family. Justin was four months old when we sailed out of the big city of Mission, B.C. Has anyone heard of Mission, British Columbia? Did you know they have a marina there? We lived at the marina for seven years. That was our home on the boats. Matter of fact, when Samantha was born, her first day of the hospital was on our boat in Mission, B.C. The second child that was born was Justin. His first day of the hospital was on a boat in Mission, B.C. And we had this vision, this passion that the Lord had given to me. We had businesses. I was making money. My wife was in the dental industry. We were doing well. But God said, go. And it took us seven years of preparation to get ready to go. But you know what? We sailed out right after the, the mission record, put a whole front page story with our four, th two kids at the time and Sharon and I sitting on the bow of our sailboat. Crazy, insane family heading... No, they didn't say that. <laughs> family heading off into the unknown. I still have the article. I saved it. You got half the page of the front paper of the mission record. And off we go. We sail out. 1996, and we sail out. We head on down through to San Francisco. It was five and a half days of 24-hour sailing, nonstop. And I was the only sailor. We went 100 to 150 miles offshore to get away from the ground swells and the storms. I was already a captain for yachts. I had boated many years. I raced the Victoria Maui yacht race. I'd done all that. But the reality is my wife hadn't, and my kids definitely hadn't. And what happens is we sail off on this beautiful, sunny day, and we're connected by radios with a half a dozen other boaters that were going offshore sailing as well. And we're sailing. We leave Nia Bay, Nia Bay on Washington State, out on the Juan de Fuca. That was our last port of call. And then we went out into hell, no, not hell. Uh, we went out to the Pacific Ocean. And beautiful sunny day, our sails are up. It was a Pacific 40 center cockpit sloop. And I've got the Jenny flying full, the mains flying, autopilot's on. And we're like, yeah, this isn't bad. My wife's like, yeah, this is great. All the kids are harnessed and strapped to the boat with their life jackets on. And that was early in the morning. By afternoon, the winds are picking up a little bit more, but still beautiful day. 
By dark, we're reefing the mainsails, the winds are howling. And for the next four days, a gale of 70 to 80 knots blew. And I don't know if you know what that looks like, but let me give you a bit of an example. The ceiling is, what did we figure, 16 feet tall? 18 feet tall. So that's an 18-foot tall ceiling. We had 35-foot seas with 6 to 10 feet breaking on top of that. And here we are in our home, yeah, doing the romantic sailing trip. Oh, what everyone dreams of must be so romantic. And this is what we did for the next three and a half, almost four days. I'm in there, in the cockpit. They're all downstairs on gravel, or Dramamine, if you're American, if you know what that is. So Justin was, Sharon was breastfeeding Justin, so she was on gravel, so he was on gravel. I mean, that's just how it worked, you know? <laughs> and you hear, I hear in the pitch black night, no stars, no moon, it's cloudy. 70 to 80 knots of wind. This is not a good place to be. And I'm... This is our boat. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. We made that one. Oh, three and a half days. We heard maydays going off, people in distress. Finally, the last night, really late at night of the storm. And I can see, I, I, I can only sleep for, for 15 minutes at a time because we had no radar. I had, we had no GPS at that time. It was Loran, but Loran only works in sight of land. We were 100, 150 miles offshore. And so if you fall asleep, a freighter coming full steam at you in a sailboat takes roughly 20 minutes before it runs you over. So I have a little timer. You know those ones that you cook bread with? the little round ones, and I sat for 15 minutes outside. I never went indoors. I'm outside the whole time, strapped on. They're all inside. I sat for 15 minutes. For 15 minutes, ding! I get up. I do a 360-degree horizon search looking for any kind of lights. Okay, I don't see any, but maybe I'm dreaming. We keep going around, do a second search. Okay, I sit back down in the, in the cockpit. 15 minutes, did that for three and a half days. Actually, did it for five days right through to San Francisco. Why do I say this? God gave us a call. But during the call, there can sometimes be situations that are intense. There can sometimes be situations that actually have us questioning, did we hear God right? And so many people will bail during the questions because fear starts to set in. And when fear sets in, it opens the doors up to a myriad of the attacks of the enemy. Well, we made it. I, I, what, the last night out there on, in, the, in the storm, I see these lights and it's a freighter. And I hear this, this voice on the freighter and he says, uh, yeah, is there, is there like a sailboat out here? Because all we have is the three little masthead lights, you know, 56 feet above our deck, swinging and swaying, you know. Uh, yeah, is there a sailboat out here? I'm like, oh, good. 
communication. I grabbed the radio. Yeah, this is the sailing vessel Angelos. Who should I be speaking with? And he said, oh, this is the freighter so-and-so. What in beep, beep, beep are you doing out here? I said, well, my, my, my wife and my two young kids are downstairs, and we're making our way to San Francisco. And this freighter could no longer go into the ways, because if you understand how freighters work and tankers, uh, they're so long that if the bow's in a big wave and the stern's in a big wave and the center's in a trough, they split in half. So he's just, because they have to be supported by water on all of the hull. So they, they're now sideways to the waves, just rolling from gunnel to gunnel, and they've been doing this for two and a half days. He says, do you know that a commercial fishing boat just a few, a few miles from here has gone down and all seven lives are lost as of now? Did you know that two other sailboats have already sunk? One life raft has already been spotted, but it's so rough they can't get to it. I said, no, but thank you, I think. He said, well, just to let you know, you have, you have about another 12 hours of this wind, and then it's going to start dying down. I said, well, thank you. That's good news. Because at this point, I pretty much had been standing out on deck, not sure if I should curse God. Just kidding. Not sure if I would ever set foot on the ocean again. And I think I might have cried out, oh God, oh God, if you spare our life, I will never come to sea again. I might have said that, but I know the Lord knew that I was just in distress at the time, and he really wanted us to continue. So we ended up, it ended up in 1996, we did this trip, we went into Baja, Mexico, and it launched the whole ministry called Wind Word. And the name Wind Word is, we thought of Wayward, like that was our first thought to name the ministry, but some people thought it might not have been the best name, so... We ended up going with wind word, which is wind of the Holy Spirit on the word of God. That we have to have a move of God, Holy Spirit move, with, with the grounding foundation of the word. And I love Henry Schmidt. Good to see you. I love Henry. He does this example of an eagle flying. One wing word, one wing, uh, like one wing the word of God and one wing the spirit. If you don't have spirit and you're just word, that eagle flies in a big circle. And if you have just spirit and no word, it flies in a circle the other way. Either way, it's a crazy-looking eagle. So I figured if we had wind and word together, we would rise up. So we ended up going into Mexico. I would just walk through the streets praying, looking for a church, and, and I speak some Spanish, and, and ended up starting the whole ministry of Windward. And, but all of that said... We were full-time ministries living in Mexico, and in the year 2000, I was burning out. I was just burning out. I'm kind of like, God, I, I, I'm going six, seven days a week. We're evangelizing. We, we've got a little generator and a, and a video uh, screen, a projector screen. I still have it to this day, the screen and the old projector and, that were given to us, and we're showing the, the short version of the Jesus movie out in the deserts, ministering, evangelizing to people. A lot of them didn't even have electricity, and we're leading people to Jesus, and we're seeing so much great things happening, but at the same time, I felt exhausted, and I was burning myself out. And so, as I read in my scriptures and my, my, my daily time with the Lord, I got thinking, hold it. There, 
if in the last days you pour your spirit out on all flesh, why am I getting weaker and tireder when I should be getting stronger and bolder? And I started thinking about the angelic realm. You know, I never learned much about angels. Matter of fact, I learned a lot about demons. Oh, were we taught about demons? Don't open up your mind or the demons will come in. Oh, yeah, I had a fear of the demons. But angels, I just never heard teaching on it. And so I started thinking, Lord, and I started doing a study in the angelic. And I'm going to share that in just a moment. But in that process, after that, my eyes opened. I went into a, 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 it ended up being three months of prayer and fasting. I thought it was going to be a couple days. And I said, to, I said to my wife and kids, I had said, you know what? I'm going after this supernatural realm. I'm going after it. 33 of the 66 books of the Bible talk about angels in some form or another. I said, there's got to be an angelic realm around there. I thought of, you know, Elisha and his son, Pura, uh, sorry, his servant, Pura. And I thought, you know what? Here comes the servant out of his tent. And he comes out and here's this army that is against him, like, like literally coming on horsemen and, and, and coming to take him. And, and can you imagine what the servant of Elisha thought? So the servant's out there, whoa, this army has come for them. And these are big, brutal men. But not Elisha. He kind of gets out of his tent, you know. Oh, I got my Starbucks. It's going to be a good day today. And his servant says, alas, master, alas. In other words, hey, like, yikes, like, whoa. I don't know if he manifested in the spirit of that time. Hey, I don't know. Just kidding. Oh, I don't know. Not sure what happened, but... Either way, it got the attention of Elisha. And Elisha very calmly and simply, obviously, is seen and partly living in a different realm. And Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes to see. Huh. Okay, God, how come I don't see? And I felt like the Lord said, open your eyes to see. And as soon as Elisha's servant opens his eyes, what happens? All fear left. In other words, fear is direct, the wrong fear is directly correlated to eyes not seeing the realm around us. Or not being aware of the authority of Jesus Christ around us. You don't have to see it. You can hear it, feel it, sense it like Ivan was talking about. And all of a sudden, what happened to the fear that was on the servant? It transferred. And it jumped to the eyes of the enemy, was blinded, and they lost all sight. I thought, God, that's what I'm going after. So I told my kids and Sharon in September year 2000, I said, I am going after whatever it was that that servant saw, whatever it was that Elisha saw. That angelic realm, that supernatural realm, whatever it is, I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast. And I'm committed to praying two to four hours every day and start fasting on just water until God opened my eyes. I told my family, so I had accountability in it. 
And I started December 2000. Still ministering full time. My day was basically at that time I, I was living a little bit in sin because I had a Dodge pickup truck. Diesel Cummins. I bought it for the motor, but the truck didn't take it. And I'd fuel up the truck, get the generator ready, get the projector ready, the Jesus movie in short version. I had long version and short version. I had Carmen videos. I had all these different things. Uh, and I would show these videos. I'd show the Jesus movie. It'd lead right into my testimony and a salvation altar call. And that's how we did it. And then we ministered in a lot of the churches. But I'm just saying, when we reached out. And so I'm, I'm going for it. I'm still going full bore. I'm just on water, fast. And one day goes by, I'm praying two to four hours every morning, I'm up early, and I told the Lord that in this season, I want to train my mind. I want my mind to come into submission of his will. So I want to go to bed in his presence, and I want to wake in his presence. And I said, if I don't do one or the other, let's say I'm thinking about something else when I go to bed. Well, it was actually easy to go to sleep in his presence because you just start praying and you fall asleep. But waking up in his presence took a little bit of training because my first thoughts are, whoa, I need to put fuel in the truck. And I committed that I would double my prayer time if my thoughts were not him in his presence when I woke up. So I was doubling my prayer time. And I'm not really that type of a big intercessor. My wife, she can pray for a long time. Me, I sort of talk to God, tell him what I need. That's my prayer. And so I'm in here now, no longer two to four hours, but sometimes four, six hours praying in my little Mexican office. It was a little two-bedroom house, very small, that we rented because we actually lived in an RV at the time, a fifth wheel. And so we used it for our kids' training. And so I'd go in there and I'd pray. And I'm, I'm praying. I, I mean, I, I'm praying and I'm not hearing nothing. And I don't like this much prayer. It, it actually is hard for me. People say, well, you're a talker, Brent. I know, but it's, it's hard when you're just praying. And I'm praying. I tried Baptist praying, Lutheran praying, Anglican praying, Catholic praying. I tried it all. I tried Pentecostal praying. I tried Monos against the wall. I tried back against the wall. I tried standing on my hands against the wall. I lied down. I sat up. I did everything I could praying for my eyes to open. Two days, three days of just water, and I'm dying. Like, I've got no food, just water. Seventh day of just water, I am dead. And I've heard nothing from the Lord, like not one peep. So I said to my wife, hey, you know, Kind of thinking we probably I should shift this fast up. Maybe let's let's do a Daniel fast and let's do that. So I did. I shifted up, started a Daniel fast, started a different fast, this kind of thing. Three months go by. Full-time ministry at totally exhausted. Three months. And in December of 2000, I'm 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 in my little Mexican dusty office, which is probably a eight by ten foot room with a little single bed in my desk. And I was praying, oh Lord, bless my wife and my kids. I love them so much. And, and I've been going for a couple hours and I start losing it. Bless my wife and my kids. Oh Lord, did I, did I bless Sharon yet, God? 
Okay, God, bless Sharon. I just love her so much. She's amazing. And, and did, did I pray for Sharon yet? Anyways, bless, bless Sharon. I just love her. Bless Sharon. If I didn't pray for Sharon, I'm going to bless her. Bless Sharon, you know. And I realize I'm losing my mind. And my laptop was open on the little desk, but it was turned off. And I had my chair, and I remember sitting down in the chair with my laptop open, blankly staring at the screen. And then all of a sudden, you could say, I say it's audible. Well, you could say maybe it wasn't audible, it was impressed in your mind. However you, you want to understand, it's totally fine to me. It sounded very audible. And this voice speaks in a language I had never heard, but yet I understood every word with a power and an authority that I knew could kill me. In just one word, it, I could literally die just like that. But yet I knew that every word he wanted was about love, and he wanted me to live, and he wanted so much for my life. I knew this. It sounded like roaring, raging rivers. It sounded like thunders and lightnings, but yet it had the peace that passes all understanding. Now, I had always told people I heard from God, but this time I heard something different. This one put the fear of the Lord in me, but yet the peace that passes all understanding. And he said something. Two words. And we told our kids it was a swear word. We call it the S word. And it was shut up or be still or be quiet. It had all those meanings in once like he didn't want me to talk anymore. And I, he, someone's getting tired. <laughs> and he no longer spoke but those two words. And I knew that I had to, and I got to be careful to this next word because I have had this on recording and said the wrong word. I knew that I had to go prostate. Prostrate. Ah! 50-50 chance. Oh. Scratch that. Beep. Unbelievable. I was trying hard, but I'm actually a little drunk right now. I'll be honest with you. So, prostrate. I had to go prostrate before him. Anyone need laying on a hands? No, I'm just kidding. Please, please. I had to go prostrate before him. I knew, I know people are asking, what, what's prostrate? Anyways, don't worry, it's okay, it's a man thing. You learn about it as you get older in life. <laughs> and you, oh my goodness. All he said was, be quiet, be still, shut up, whatever the interpretation was. I, I heard it as a swear word, shut up. And I knew I had to be prostate. Ah! You, what did you say? Prostrate before him. Now this is a first, okay? This many times. Oh Lord, have mercy on me. And them. And anyone watching right now, if you have prostrate problems, uh, we're gonna be healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> oh, Lord. Prostate before. No! Prostrate. 
No, I'm messing up right now. This is not normal for me. If anybody knows me, quit laughing. Don't laugh. I feel like a fool right now. Why did you prophesy a fool? Prostrate. Woo! <laughs> and so, and so, and so. I tell you what, if you have the other problem in this building, just take the healing right now. <laughs> because God's got a great sense of humor. And, uh, Straight, prostrate, straight. I can remember that. Straight, prostrate. Um, oh, where was I? Oh yeah. So I knew that I had to go prostrate. I know it's straight. I just can't say it. Prostrate before Him. I knew that I couldn't put a pillow down. I couldn't put my hands under my forehead. I had to go face down, my hands out to the side. I knew it. He didn't have to say it. And I remember getting down on my knees, putting my hands out to my side. And as I went down to the ground, this dirty Mexican little floor, and my nose touched that Mexican tile, I remember breathing in, and I got this whiff of dust. And I'm out. I must have been out for a few hours. And God walked with me, and he talked with me, and he, he shared these things with me. He gave three specific words for our ministry that are all coming true. Absolutely amazing. He actually gave me a whole message on unity that I have preached in 45, 41 nations of the world. I think I said 45 before. It's 41 countries I've been in. 41 countries of the world, I preached this, this thing on unity. He gave me scriptures that I had forgotten about. And when, as soon as I woke up, I could literally write it all down, word for word. I knew exactly what the whole message was. It sits in the front of my Bible to this day, a unity message. Anyways, I come out from my little office, and I, I'm hobbling out to our little, our fifth wheel trailer. It was a big trailer. And the kids are homeschooled, and I remember opening the door of the trailer, and the kids are sitting on the chair, on the couch in front of the door, and they look up, and I remember Justin and Samantha staring at me, and Justin said, Daddy, you're glowing. Sharon hears it. She comes running down from the bed up front, and she said, yeah, there's something different about you. What happened in your office today? I said, well, I learned about the prostrate state. Straight. I'm just kidding. I didn't. I didn't say that at all. She came and I told them what had just encounter I had had. And we just sat together as a family praying and worshiping God. After I came to my senses, I didn't feel much different. Sharon said, well, we, we better get in the truck. We need to go buy groceries. So we jump into the pickup truck, and off we go, and into the city we go. And Jessica's in her little, uh, the car seat in the middle. Our, our, our Dodge pickup was a two-door. It was a full-size, one-ton dually, four-by-four, big thing. But it didn't have any little doors in the back. It was just fold the seat forward, and kids jump into this dinky little seat. So we had, Jessica was in the middle in the car seat, 
Samantha was on that side, and Justin was behind me and Sharon in the front seat, and we're driving. And all of a sudden, we come to a, a, a light that's green, and there's a, a, a bunch of buildings being built to the left. They're not finished yet, but there's two individuals standing in the parking lot. And everything went into a slow motion mode while I'm driving. And I remember looking at the two in the parking lot. And as soon as I looked, they looked at me. Huh. I said, something's different about those two in the parking lot. I see Sharon look. I look in my rearview mirror. I see all the kids' heads turning around looking. And the next thing is, we're still driving. Sharon's looking straight ahead. I'm looking straight ahead. The three kids are looking straight ahead. But I look in the rearview mirror, and a baby Jessica is staring straight at Daddy. She's looking at me in the mirror, and she says, Daddy, there was no one in that parking lot. And I went, whoa. It started a process in the year 2000. We ended up the very next month starting a unity of pastors, which is in full-fledged to this day in La Paz, Mexico. But it started something, the process of learning about the supernatural realm. And I started studying more and more in the scripture about it, to learn more and more about it. And I started seeing things so clearly. But before that, that very same night, I, I'm lying in bed, but I'm mad because Sharon fell asleep. She has an ability to sleep. Like it, She's got a tremendous gift. Like, her head hits the pillow, and <sighs> it gets amazing, amazing. Me, I'm processing the next day's ministry, but I'm not falling asleep yet because I don't want to pray double. And so I'm processing, and I'm getting angry. This is literally the same night that we got that, and I saw those two in the parking lot. But I'm now upset because I'm exhausted and tired. She's sleeping. It's about 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm not able to sleep. And so I went off on God a little bit. Oh, God, why did she sleep? She can sleep anytime she wants all day. Husband's not good to say, but she didn't wake up, and I'm verbally talking to God. All she does looks after the kids. She can sleep any night. I need to sleep because I'm getting up in three hours to start praying with you, God, and I need to sleep now. That's what I need. You know what? I am so burnt out and exhausted with this whole thing and this fast. I'm done. Matter of fact, I quit, God. I quit. I will hook my truck up to the fifth wheel in the morning. It will take us two and a half hours, and we're going to be out of here. And I'm going back to Canada. I'm going back into business. Forget this ministry stuff. I'm done. And after I ranted and raved after this incredible presence early in the morning, I'm already upset. So human. And after I finish yapping, God speaks in that voice again. Second time in 24 hours. And he says, Brent, what is it you've been asking me for? To be honest with you, at that point, I was so angry, I couldn't remember what I was fasting for. Uh, what am I asking you? What are you talking What? Oh, oh yeah. So you would open my eyes to see in the supernatural. He said, then sit up and look around. And we had this little nightlight on down in the kitchen, down the hallway, so the kids could find the bathroom, probably so I could find it. But anyways, they could find the bathroom. And I saw things, people, both evil and good, that to this day I can't explain. I can't explain. But the power of God 
in what I saw, it started to drive a hunger in me, a hunger in me. I'll be honest with you, there's angels in this place right now. Now, I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, it is foolish to worship angels, but it is just as foolish to ignore them. And I think we need to learn a little bit more about the supernatural realm. Because if we don't, we will never understand the fullness of capacity that God has appointed for you and me as sons and daughters of him on what we can walk with and what we can carry with in Jesus' name. I am I messed up right now, but I'll be honest with you. I see an angel. I feel like my ear is ready to fall off with heat right now. It's burning. In all these years, I started to learn about, I, I would talk to my board like, is this God? Is this, is this real? What I've seen in this, in this supernatural realm, is it actually demonic? And so we would pray about it, and we would study about it to try to see if it's demonic, I don't want it. But if it's God, I want it. And we spent three, four years trying to figure out, is this God? Is this demonic? We came to the conclusion, it was good, it was good, it was good. But not everybody liked it. Matter of fact, the unsaved never seem to have a problem with it. It was only the church, religious churches. When I were in praying before the service tonight, Kevin and Sharon were in the office, and I said, I keep seeing a coffee cup. Keep seeing a coffee cup. I don't know what it means, but it's going to mean something. I know it. And then one of the songs talked about coffee. I love it. Like, what? And it was like a confirmation to me. Talk about the coffee cup, but what about the coffee cup? I don't know. So I'm going to experiment and practice a little bit because what I felt the Lord say tonight is you can preach another sermon or you can demonstrate what I want the people to see. And I want you to know that if we can, can talk about signs and wonders but have no demonstration of it, we become like Clanging gongs? I see this coffee cup again right now. It's just a big coffee cup in the spirit. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes, you know, God has a great sense of humor. He's a real happy God. You know that? He is so happy. And Jesus is happy, happy, happy. Like, he just... Loves us so much. Holy Spirit is, is just happy. Like this doom and gloom thing. Uh, come on, stay on the good side and be happy with him. And I'm going to be real. And you might run out that back door. You know what? I don't speak at a lot of conferences in my home church. So you can fire me. Don't ever invite me back. But I feel like something needs to be cracked open. And if it looks foolish or weird and it's God, then I want it. But I see this tall angel standing at the back. Now I'm a Baptist seminary student. And he's holding this coffee cup now that I saw in the spirit before the service. I'm trying to read what's on the cup. I can't see what's on the cup. It's just a white cup. So I'm going to take a jump here, okay? Taking a jump. Are we in a safe place? Yeah. Taking a jump. Would there be somebody, like a, 
barista or someone who works in a coffee shop? That's all I'm asking right now. Is anybody like that in here or who has worked in a coffee shop? You, stand up. Because I see this angel writing. And on one side I see 03 and on the other side I see 04. It's like maybe March 4th, something like that. Does that make sense? That's your birthday. Wow. Sorry, you're messing me up. Don't cry because I'm going to cry too. <laughs> so I'll come over here. This is a good side of the room right now. <laughs> You can think what you want to think, but God is so much bigger than your thoughts or my thoughts. I just want you to know that. Because now there's another angel carrying another coffee cup. I can see it clearly. I can see it clearly now. No, what is that song? <laughs> I'm focusing. I'm pushing in. Like Ivan said today, we have to push in. Justin saw a river, push in. Go farther. You see something in the spirit, go farther into it. If you're just like, oh, it's a river, giggle, giggle, giggle. And that's all you do all the time, then you're just on the riverbank. I'm trying to get into that river. I'm trying to push in. Because I see another coffee cup now. Hmm. Ten twenty-four. Like October 24, maybe? Something like that? Does that make sense? Or? <laughs> Stand up, you guys. Come on. <laughs> oh, it's not real. That's right. Come on. Just don't beat up the deliverer of the message. You have a problem, go after God. Don't go after me. Hmm. Ivan saw something over the two of you and I stopped him because I saw the same thing because I see a third coffee, pot, coffee cup. <laughs> and I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that what you guys carry, God sees and is watching. When you sing, when you minister, when you work, when you do what you're called to do, there are angels standing with you. And they are there for you to understand that they're there. You can call them protectors. You can call them guardians. You can call them whatever you want. But the reality is, is they're real. And I'm here to speak to you. And I know it's private, but I feel like the Lord, I can see your children. I can see how many, and I can see their sex right now. And of course, we learn, do not prophesy children, babies, and marriages. So we'll follow the rules, sort of. But I want you to know something. God is preparing the two of you for something that is so special that nobody else on the earth is called with this destiny. It's yours. It's yours. And what you're going to do with it is solely dependent on where your heart stay with the Father. But I see a Joseph and a Mary. I see people that have been called in purity and purpose for a reason, to lead a movement of 
your sons and daughters, my grandchildren, which I don't even have any yet. That's what I'm called. So put your hands out to these guys, okay? And pray like this is your word. Pray like this is your son or your daughter or your grandson or your granddaughter or your friend's son or your friend's daughter or someone who needs prayer, whoever it is. You need to pray in such a level that we do not let to jealousy that they get a word and we don't move in because that is an act of unrighteousness. We need to be righteous in these moments. This is God moving and he wants us to see what he wants to do so he knows, you know that he knows us so intimately. And so, Father, I pray for both of them, Lord God, when that time is right for the third coffee cup. <laughs> I actually see something on social media, a coffee cup. <laughs> They're going to post a picture one day on social media. And only ones that are going to know what it means is us. Father, we bless them in Jesus' name. Bless them, their songs, their voices their CDs, their recordings, their books, in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Shh, hallelujah. Huh. I've, I don't know what this is, but I hear talk about the Cato diet. Keto. Does that make sense? Keto. Keto. Keto diet. Does that make sense? Is anyone on it? January 24, maybe, something like that, or 23rd, I missed it by a day. Just stand up, good. Mm. <laughs> Let's just put our hands out to, to I know it's Marjut, I honestly did not, is it keto or keto? Keto. You fin in Finnish, you say keto, okay. And I lived in Quito, Ecuador, for a year. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're so prophetic. It's got to mean something, right? So it doesn't. Just put our hands out to, to Marjit. Man, I'm hearing another number already screaming in my ear. <laughs> so far, I, I got to say it, April 9, 1994. Does that make sense to anybody? April 9, 1994. Does that make sense? It's Angel. It's Angel. Angel's in the house. Your son. That's, what is that? Abril 9, 1994. What is that? What is April 9, 1994? I heard it clearly. That's your birthday. It's an angel. It's an angel's birthday. His name is Angel. That's what his name is. Okay, Marjit, come up. And Angel, come up. I'm just, I'm just trying to go here, okay? Wow, same year, 1994, February 12. I just heard it clearly. Is that anybody in here? February 12, maybe, 1994. What is that? 
That's your birthday. Come on up. It's days of birthday today. <laughs> now, guys, come on. Seriously. Like, if you know me, I'm actually really bad with birth dates and names, and I just can't remember this stuff. This is amazing. Okay. I felt that you've entered into a new season, and January launched something for you. And every January you come around to, it's like the Lord is saying, it's another new season. I am pushing you into seasons that are changing you and changing people around you. I even see family and friends that need the Lord so badly. And I feel like that this season is the time that the doors of salvation are going to open up in such a way that people that you have prayed for and interceded for are ready to start to hear and receive who Jesus Christ is in them. And so, Father, we just pray for Marjit right now. We ask you, Lord God, fill her with your presence and your glory. <laughs> and when you flag, there's a half a dozen angels that flag as well and the faster you flag the faster they 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 flag and it literally creates a wind in the spirit a turbulence of wind in the spirit which is the presence of God falling into this place and everywhere that you flag in Jesus name <laughs> well I'm talking about angels so on hell is very appropriate angel seriously that's your birthday that's crazy I love it your hands like this. You have a hunger that's been bound and held back because of all the other stuff. Ivan prophesied over you already. He doesn't know anything. I do. I know the situations. But I want to tell you something. This is maturing you in such a way that the gifting of the pastor, the gifting of the musician, the gifting that you carry is literally going to rapidly accelerate in these seasons. That you will be able to look back as a young man with great wisdom and great experience for others. I can see it clearly. I can see it now. <laughs> so, Father, just put your hand out. Father, thank you for Angel. We love him so much and his family. Bless him. I ask you, Father, wow, eyes to see. You know, the imagination that you have has caught, created you finances in video. Now the imagination that you're receiving from God that he's given to you is creating wealth in the heavens, in the heavens. Because money on earth, yeah, it comes and it goes and it falls away. But wealth in the kingdom is everlasting. It's eternal. It's called mansion building. So, Father, bless on hell in all he is walking through and carrying right now. In Jesus' name, fill him. And you know that longing in your heart? It's on its way. It's on its way, my friend. I can see it. You know what it is. I know what it is. It's on its way, and it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. In Jesus' name. Oh. Oh, Mr. Bentlinch. I remember you guys when you were really young. And now you're a man. Whistler Bungie. Just because I don't know a lot about you, but I see you as a radical. I see you fearless. Crazy fearless sometimes. And sometimes it hurts. 
the fearless. I do know why he's limping. When you run your ATV off the cliff by yourself and nobody knows, borders fearlessness and, and stupidity, but this is fearlessness because he's a smart young man. I can see it. I can see it. And his wife. Come on up, uh, Kaylee. Come on up, Kaylee. Come on up. The price is right. Just kidding. She's all nervous. Look at, come on. She's amazing. Hmm. God does these kind of things for purposes and reasons beyond my understanding. But it's to let us know, I believe, how much he knows about us and how much he loves us. And it's really important we see this because if you look at the man, I'll fail you. I'm, I'm, I'm a man. I don't use it as an excuse. I, I'm just I'm partly human and partly spirit. But God is the one who speaks and speaks through us. And this is what we need to focus on. And I feel you guys have been processing shifts, transitions, and changes, especially you. And I actually don't know you very well at all. I don't know if we've ever hung out. But I feel like God has such a destiny for both of you. It is so powerful and so strong that the two of you together is what actually creates the destiny for the kids. It literally empowers you into what God has called the two of you in together. One puts to flight 1,000, but two put to flight 10,000. And I don't know your relationship, but I can see how the enemy has tried to divide, how he has tried to get between. I don't know how, what that all looks like, but I feel like the Lord is saying, no, not these two. There's a purpose and a destiny. And you actually carry a prophetic gift. And you're nervous of the gift. You even could have visions and dreams, and you've had some. And maybe sometimes they've been bad dreams. That's where I started with was nightmares. Because in my subconscious, it opened up in the supernatural, but I didn't understand what. And I grew up having so many nightmares until I trained my mind in that year 2000 to fall asleep in the presence and wake up in the presence. And now I don't have any nightmares since the year 2000. I have visitations. And you have a prophetic gift. And I don't think you know a lot about what that looks like, but I'll tell you what, God does. And there's a purpose and a destiny. I, I don't, do you guys have kids? No kids. Because I see you speaking in to kids. You're taking, taking care of, okay, okay. So taking care of one of the sister's kids right now? Or the sister, your sister, your actual sister. Okay, younger sister, okay. I'm going to go farther, and God's going to bless you. Let me just tell you that, okay? So, but what it takes is my wife and I, this year, October, coming up in a few weeks, we celebrate 30 years of marriage. And I want to, I want to tell you, we've never had a fight. It's never been about, please, <laughs> please. But what makes, and this is for some of you out there, and for some of you singles that are not yet married, what makes marriage work is making a covenant and keeping to a covenant, just like God makes a covenant with us through Jesus Christ. So I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray for your marriage. I don't know why I need to pray, but I feel like I need to pray for it. And I believe it's going to radically shift and change your family, your family. And that could mean relatives, but I actually believe beyond that, your 
family, okay? So let's just pray. Let's put our hands out to these guys. You actually have a gentleness and a tenderness. You're a strong guy, but boy, you have a big heart. And it's been taken advantage of sometimes. I can see that. And it's okay to shed a tear. That's not a problem. But you have a good heart and a big heart, and you have a desire to serve the Lord. The enemy wants to take it and pull it and strangle it. But I tell you what, because you're a crazy fighter, you're going to make it survive. And not just survive, you're going to come out in glorious victory in Jesus' name for both of you. This is your wife and this is your husband. If you're here and you're married, just hold hands right now. And if your husband's not here, hold it in the spirit. If your wife's not here, hold it in the spirit. If you're single get into visions right now and start thinking about her and hold her hand or his hand in Jesus' name. Let's just put our hands out, okay? Father, bless these guys. Bless them. And Lord, we pray. Which leg is it? (laughs) We pray, Lord, even the doctors don't know fully what's going on with this ankle, but he's been off work for months. We pray, Lord God, that this ankle be completely restored in Jesus' name because the doctors don't need to know what it is but you are the healer and the great physician, Father. And if the doctors need to heal it, then they'll heal it. Either way, Lord, we're going after you being the physician tonight and heal this leg in Jesus' name. But we just pray blessing upon these two, Father. As they pursue you and pursue God, I ask for the increase, the increase in their marriage and all the marriages here in represent and all the future marriages that aren't even together yet. We pray for the increase in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen, amen. amen. Wow. Okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) I messed up. Um, I guess I should preach. (laughs) Preach. We can speak and say we believe things. But if our actions don't justify our belief structure, then we're words and not true belief. Because belief is not a word. Belief is an action. We can believe that God can do these things. Absolutely. We could process right now. I did it. I used to, when someone would come up for prayer and they had a headache, oh, how do I know the guy really had a headache anyways? I'm good friends with Sean Bowles. We're very aware. Every time we go down to L.A., we're at Expressions 58. We love Sean, and he actually partly instilled a greater level of the prophetic for me to go after, knowing that something is truly available. But I had to first trust to believe that he's hearing from the Lord. If we don't trust, then we can never believe. So I believe what's happening here tonight is to see whether or not you're willing to trust so you can believe. Well, I believe in Jesus Christ. Of course we do. Uh, we believe in Father, Holy Spirit. Of course we do. But the question is, do we trust each other or trust God enough to believe that he could actually use one of us in what he wants to do? Well, as a Christian, we're all going to say, of course we do. And sometimes we get so prideful that, that I, I, I'm going to change the whole church. I, I came in with a word of the Lord to, to your church to change you. 
that's actually not trust. That, that's just pathetic prophecy. Because God probably is not going to tell somebody who's not a member or in relationship with an organization that you're the one to tell them it's doom and gloom time and if they don't change their wicked ways, they're going to hell. The reality is, is if we have relationship and friendship and family environment, then we can start to trust each other into a new level. And in those new levels, that's where God can start to work through us in mighty, marvelous, and mysterious ways that will make us wonder. But so many times we come to a church or we come to a conference, conference and we don't have a family environment. We have a selfish environment where we're coming because we want a word. And immediately, as soon as we come to a prophetic conference like, oh, I got to get a word. I was there. I was there. I was in Bethel back in the early years. We started connecting with Bethel in, in the year 2000. I've had Bill and Chris literally in our fifth wheel trailer. I'm cooking uh, steaks on our hibachi in Mexico with, with Papa Bill and Papa Chris sitting in our lawn chairs. And, and, and it's like, oh, oh, you know, well, 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 well you know, Brent, you, know, you got such a great relationship. No, actually, I have a relationship with the one that really matters, and his name is God. Because out of that relationship with God, all the other relationships that are needing to be put together and co-labor together will come together if we have the heart of a family. The church is about... Two words in Scripture when, when we hear about, like when, when, when Jesus said to Peter, you know, on this, on this revelation, on this church, I will build my ecclesia. On this rock, I should say, I'll build my ecclesia. That rock is the revelation that Peter heard from God that he, that Jesus was the Son, the Christ. And so what Jesus was saying is, on the revelation, the ears to hear from my Father... I will build my ecclesia, that word church, ecclesia. But an ecclesia was not a Christian terminology. Ecclesia is a governmental structure that was in all of the towns. And Jesus is saying, on this revelation I, of the supernatural, you had to hear from my Father. No different than John the Baptist, the greatest of all prophets. Jesus called him the greatest of all prophets. And John the Baptist had to hear something out in the desert, in his camel hair, stinking locusts in his teeth. I always like the Spanish translation Bible, the 1960 Rayena Vallena, Rayena Rayena, I guess it is, because they translate the word locust as lobster. I'm like, yeah, lobster in the desert. That's kind of like when I was a ranch hand at 15 years old in Lander, Wyoming, and we had just finished castrating 2,000 steers, and we had a Rocky Mountain oyster fry. And I got thinking, oysters in Wyoming? And they said, yeah, they're local. Wow, I'm thinking at 15, what big harbor of salt water is there to get these oysters? So I asked them. Where's the oysters at the barbecue? And they said, in the big pot. And I went over and I lifted the lid off the big pots. And this missionary kid soon realized what local Rocky Mountain oysters were. 
They didn't look like an oyster from the ocean. They had no clam. But they were round, chewy, and these guys love them. Some of you, do you not know what a Rocky Mountain oyster is? Some of you are looking at me like, what on earth is that? Well, let me give you a hint. We castorated 2,000 steers. <laughs> Chewy. And as a good missionary kid, we don't want to hurt the culture where we're at when they provide food for you. But one was enough for me. <laughs> if we don't ramp up our choice to believe, then we can't walk in the understanding of faith that God has called us to walk into. If we don't ramp up our choice to have greater faith, which is literally trying to understand what you don't know, because faith is what? Substance hope for is the things that you won't see, but you know that they're there. Well, guess what? When Jesus Christ travels, it's, let's use the president of America. When he travels, there's like, I don't know, what are they called? Uh, the ones that go in before him and check the secret service. And when the president of the United States comes walking in, chances are, He's not come in by himself. Now, our prime minister is a different story, but that's besides the point. Can you imagine, does Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, travel everywhere by himself? I would imagine where two or more are gathered, he is in the midst with us. And I would gather that one of us in unity pushed to flight 1,000, but two of us together put to flight 10,000, I would surmise to say that we're not by ourselves in this place. Now, if many have more faith to believe there's demons in here, ah, they've already left, don't worry. But can we believe or try to open up our mindset to see what the Lord wants us to see and hear what the Lord wants us to hear. Well, I didn't get to the message. And I'll walk right on past. But I want to say something. Because in worship, a few thoughts came to me. Redigging the wells. Kevin talked about it. Redigging the wells implies like the Philistine army had plugged them up. And Abimelech told Isaac to move because he was getting too powerful. Isaac reopened the wells from his father Abraham that the Philistines had plugged. And as soon as Kevin said it, I felt like there had been some Philistines in your life. That there had been some Philistines in this valley. And they had plugged up wells of our fathers. And I felt like the Lord wanted us and demonstrate to us tonight that His way is the right way. And that we have the ability to unplug the wells. Genesis 26, 15 to 18 is what it was. 
we sang one of our early songs tonight. There is freedom. Did we not sing that? There is freedom. Well, what does freedom look like? If you've never lived in freedom, how do we know what it even looks like? We're singing, there's freedom, there's freedom. Are we free? Or do we have wells that are still plugged up in our lives? We've heard about rivers flowing. Rivers that flow into greater bodies of water, into the oceans of forgiveness. And I feel like it wraps a theme together here over these last two days. That it is time that you and I start pushing into such a level that we refuse to have dirty junk in our wells. That we refuse to have unforgiveness in our wells because I will guarantee you that will pollute our wells. How can we live with unforgiveness when Almighty God has forgiven us for all things? Oh. Oh, I had to do that. That's not actually me manifesting. It just sounded good. We have to go after freedom and live in a life of freedom that we don't even know what it looks like because none of us have been 100% free. And I feel like the Lord is saying, you don't need to know what freedom looks like, just live it. You don't need to know what revival looks like, just live it right now. Don't wait for a, a certain age group to have revival. It drives me nuts when, when I go and minister in a church and, and the older people come up, oh, Sonny, I hope you minister. When I have my long hair, oh, you hippie. I hope you minister to our young people because we're all praying they're going to bring revival. I want to look at him and say, what you're saying to me is that you can't bring revival. So you've given up and you're expecting the younger people to do what you have been called to do. Revival is not an age group. It is everyone alive at this moment in time right now. Freedom is going to look like what we don't know, but we are called to learn it. And his name is Jesus Christ. We are called to live in freedom. How do we live in this freedom? Well, then we go into a whole teaching on identity, a whole teaching on kingdom, a whole teaching on his presence. But I will guarantee you that that devil is 100% defeated those demons got no power and no authority. I am a son. You are sons and daughters of the king. And if we think the devil has power, what you're doing is you're empowering with your fear. And that is not true. Jesus Christ. He took back all authority of heaven and on earth. Oh, Brent, you got to watch out. You know, you're pushing the limits. The devil's going to get you. If the devil could have gotten me, he would have gotten me a long time ago. But he can't. 
with a pistol stuck in my forehead in Tijuana and the pistol misfired four times up. I ain't dying until God waltz me and calls me home. Like, we, we gotta lose the fear of this enemy and gain the trueness of the fear of the Lord. Not that he's a big bad God looking to hurt us, but that our love for him, we, we literally can't afford to break the ties with God. Some people say, well, the fear of the Lord is, you know, uh, we have to just kind of sit still and do nothing in case we get beat, beaten with a rod and a staff or a two-edged sword. Are you kidding me? What Bible are we reading from? I have the fear of my wife. I mean, she's half my size, half my weight, but I have the fear of Sharon. Fear of the Rose of Sharon. Her name's Sharon Rose. People say, come on, Brad, she's so small. No, you know what it is? That I have made a covenant with her 30 years ago. And my fear is that I will do nothing to break or damage that covenant. I have a fear of my daughters, fear of my sons. Because I love them so much, I just can't hurt them that way. For a few moments of whatever people say it is, are you kidding me? I'm sick and tired of hearing people running from one woman to another or one man to another, pastors and ministers falling. What Bible are we standing on? Like, come on, people. If you've gone through a divorce, it's finished. But look ahead because the, the forward is bright and bright and bright. The future is beautiful. My fear of the Lord. Of course, God is all powerful. I know I heard a voice that could have killed me instantaneously. But my fear of the Lord is that I love him so much that I can't afford to lose or break that relationship. We sang hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. You have broken every chain, we sang it. Hallelujah, praise the one who has set me free. You've broken every chain. If we really believe what we're singing, hallelujah, praise the Lord, the one who has set me free, the one who has set me free, the one who has set me free, that would mean you're free. Not in bondage, but you're free. Every chain has been broken, really? We're singing it, are we wording it, or do we truly believe it? We have to come into a belief structure that knows that we are set free and that every chain has been broken and loosed off of us. So let's not put the chains back on. Jesus makes the darkness tremble with silences and fear, which silences fear. Jesus brings light to darkness and light destroys darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. Fear of man is the absence of truth. Depression is the absence of truth. Hatred, 
all the issues we have with each other. Unforgiveness is the absence of truth. Can you imagine if we as a body, a group of believers, could leave this place in all truth? You'd probably not even have to get into your car. You just would go home. Maybe everybody would stop for you instead of cut you off all the time. At what level of faith are we willing to stand in? At what level of the prophetic are we going to believe is truly the Lord and truly God? At what level do you and I need to see to believe? I hope and I pray that you and I do not need to see to believe. Instead, we just choose to believe. That's my hope and prayer. Because if we have to see it demonstrated all the time, then we're going to be reliant on man. And I will guarantee you the success rate of your reliance on man is not usually good. But the success rate of all of our reliance on God is guaranteed 100% successful. Let's stand. I feel like the, I feel like the Lord is saying, call Ivan up as well too, but I feel like the Lord is saying that he's a calling right now to an extreme hungry group of people that are so hungry for more. They're willing to lose their mind and lose their own understanding for the sake of the pureness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we're willing to be called fools for Jesus. That we're willing to have people maybe not like us or think we're crazy or cuckoo. Like I'm talking, I'm talking a level of commitment with, with Father, with Son, with Holy Spirit. A level of commitment that is greater than any of us had when we walked into this building last night. This is about a personal uh, commitment and relationship to our Father. Because these gifts, this five-fold ministry and the nine gifts of the Spirit, they're for everyone in this room and everyone watching on TV. That's who they're for. They're not just for me. They're not just for Ivan or a few select people. They're for all of us. And I believe that God is looking for the people this weekend that are so willing to say, I no longer care about what my past was or anyone else's. What I care about is what my future and destiny is in my life. Because so many of us have been held captive and in bondage from the acts of man. And we have even not gone to church or left churches because of the disagreements and the acts of man. And no matter what has been done to you or been done or said about me, 
I choose to forgive. To forgive. So we can be set free. <sighs> wow. Bunch of angels lining up. No, I'm supposed to call up a hungry group of people. So I'm going to call you up. If you feel this hunger, you feel this burning, you feel that God is speaking to you, you feel that you're hungry for more, and, and you won't settle for less, you're only going after more, I'm going to call you to come up front right now, real quick. I'm standing up here too. I'm one of the hungry ones. I want to be a burning, hungry one for God. I do not want to leave this building tonight without being transformed, changed, and renewed in Jesus Christ. This is not just another, oh, oh, let's just get everybody up front. This is not a manipulation. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this right here, the Word of God, that this we will stand on and be set free because truth sets us free free oh Lord I see lightnings and thunderings in the heavens <laughs> I'll tell you what we're all getting put on the map supernaturally right now. Huh. There is something that is going on in this place right now with this hungry group of people. Because the cool thing about hunger in heaven is it feeds you. You're hungry in heaven and you get fed. Matter of fact, it's a banqueting table with the most beautiful suppers and desserts and appies you could ever imagine. If you're hungry on earth and you don't have money to fulfill the physical hunger, it creates beggars. But the hunger in heaven, you don't have to have money and you're called sons and daughters. God, it's amazing. Here you're hungry and can't afford food. You're called poor. In heaven, you're hungry and you don't deserve food. You're called rich. Because we don't deserve what he did for us. But God said, you deserve it. And Jesus was willing and sacrificed and did sacrifice his life because he saw you and I are worth it. be done in us on earth as it is in heaven. 
give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Listen to that. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. This is it. This is the reality. Every great revival started with hunger. Every revival starts with prayer. Every revival, every revival was a small group of hungry people believing and gathering together in the power and the authority of the resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You study, I studied every revival that I know in history. And they all started the same way. And every other revival that stopped was stopped by man's knowledge, by man's understanding, by man's way of doing it. And I am here to declare, I want no man stopping what God is doing. Sunday we had an encounter here and the Lord told me don't just do what you've always done in praying for people honestly I wanted to get everyone lined up and run down the line and impart into you I saw that people were just going to fall in the presence of God but I feel like just do the same thing then the same thing is what's expected and God so clearly spoke to us that this can't just be the same thing it has to be different and maybe some of you might not even feel the full impact of what's happening that's okay because none of us understand what's happening touch you tonight. Matter of fact, why don't you just have Jesus lay hands on you? Wouldn't that be beautiful? Or Holy Spirits. Why don't you just, why don't we just lose our minds? Let the Holy Spirit in. I just see dreams that some of you have had for a long time and you've literally laid them to rest because you felt that they weren't going to happen. And now you have a fear of resurrecting the dreams again. But I'm here to declare, get rid of the fear in Jesus' name. And go back after the dreams of the Lord that he gave to each one of us. Some of you, uh, I'm going to be really out there. I 
think it might be a vision of Elisha. I don't know. But I keep seeing it could be an angel. I don't know. But I just keep seeing in the spirit. It could just be my imagination. Yes. But I keep seeing in the spirit. Just pray that their eyes will open. And so I will. I'm going to pray. Because eyes, ears, touch, whatever it is, however, is going to open up for one of you or each of you. Maybe you can feel his presence. Then go deeper in the feeling of his presence. Maybe you can see the angelic. I can see that there's seers in this room. I can see that there's dreamers already in this room. And they're going to have dreams now that are going to open up new revelations, uh, new things of God in you. And maybe you don't see, dream, or feel anything. Well, then let's pray for you because you're dead. But maybe we're too scared. We've been, we've been taught religiously that if we open up our mind, the devil will come in. Well, let me tell you what. Quit thinking demonic thoughts and open up your mind and think God thoughts. It really, really is a good way to do it. If your mind or imagination starts to run sinful, stop it and get back on track with God. Maybe you can look around in the spirit right now with your eyes closed and see the angelic realm. Maybe you can look around and see the throne room of God. Maybe you can see Jesus standing here at the front of the platform with his hands outstretched to each one. Whatever it is that you see, hear, or feel, I just encourage you right now, just Lose your understanding and go deeper into that, what God is doing with us. And I ask, Father, open our eyes to see. Open our ears to hear. I ask, Lord God, that the prophetic movement will stand on the holy word of God and will rise up in our nations and co-labor with the apostolic because Christ is the chief cornerstone built on the apostles and the prophets. And I ask you for all the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to be so passionately hungry for you. That we never think we know what needs to be done. Instead, we trust you, Father, to do the work in us that you have called us into and destined for us. And that our mind and our thoughts, our will and our emotions won't stop you. But our will, our mind, our thoughts, our emotions will be transformed by you, Father, by you, Jesus by you, Holy Spirit. Father, we gather here as a humble group of people that you created that are hungry. But humble doesn't mean powerless. Jesus Christ had humility. When he walked into the temple because of the defilement of the Father's house, 
he didn't lose his humility. And he turned over the tables. And I see tables in our lives being turned over in Jesus' name. And I see freedom that we have chosen here this weekend to live, to walk, to breathe, to believe. Thank you, Father. You're a good, good God. You're so, so good. And I hear him say, and you're good sons and daughters. say I gave you the opportunity to be changed but you have to change yourself oh hear us our, hear our cry oh father there's never been a cry I've never heard says the Lord strengthen us I cry out and the Lord says I have given you strength Holy, holy, holy. I see the 24 elders casting their crowns down right now. Singing, holy, holy, holy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. I literally don't know how to end. And I don't think I'm supposed to end. So we'll just all stay in this posture until tomorrow's service.